McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. We're rolling. Here we are. All right, I'm here, sat down in the chairman's lounge with Eric Eisner and Andy Redman. And guys, thanks for taking time to talk to us. I think uh, we couldn't be more. This is one that we really wanted to do. Uh, We we reached out to you guys because, uh, you know, we promised fan interaction. Uh, We know you guys have the fans with you, uh, your fan base. Uh, uh, webcast or not webcast uh, podcast sorry Um, you know that said it was a must for us so in in picking our things that you guys were you know so we appreciate your time just as much well we're flattered to to be on the list Um, I'm sure a lot of the Pompey fans listening will be happy to to have a listen and just really see what you guys sort of plans are going forward and it's just good to have you back really down at the club I think Andy you'll see how we go back and forth and it's good that we have an open mic um, we're both thrilled to be back uh, it feels so good for us we've worked on this for so many years that to actually come back to Portsmouth is great yeah I mean look it, it was in a way 26 brutal months right so no more brutal for us than anybody we're not, we're not trying to sort of uh, you know focus on ourselves but to not be here in person at Fratton Park I mean the whole excitement when you are an owner of a football club is match day here at Fratton Park, and uh, and so we really missed it. That said, we definitely thought it was right to prioritize the sort of global pandemic, and and so um, yeah, we're thrilled to be back here, and uh, you know have a have a packed schedule meeting with um, all of the employees, obviously the press, um, but also you know sort of working on stuff towards the future. I know you're kind of leaning into that, where there's a lot going on right now. It's a lot more fun to watch the game in Fratton Park than on iFollow. <laughs> we feel you on that, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You've had your iFollow experiences, right? We have, obviously, in the in the pandemic as such. You know, we were, what we used to do is we were sat watching it, and then we were also on Zoom, all of us. So yeah, we exactly. sort of tried to create that sort of atmosphere of having us all watching it at the same time. And oh. then we have four cameras. Most teams only have one camera. So we've actually come a long way in, on the uh, on that streaming service. Yeah. Which is, it was a bit different for me because when I lived um, in the north of England, I had to rely on iFollow more than you did. Um, it's just so nice to be back in the ground, being yeah. able to see things live. It's a much better no experience, better isn't ambience it? Than, than, than Fratton Park. And it, well, I called that a low-stress game just because there weren't that many implications for them that were uh, the game played the way the same way. and But it's just refreshing. It was just, just it, was, it was a great afternoon. So It's nice that you guys enjoyed your, your return and stuff. And it was nice that we got, we got a win when you came down as well. Then, you know, the team had been in good form. Our record behind. is pretty good when we're here. 
So yeah, we plan for wins. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say you say the players are more motivated. Are you giving any speeches? Back, no, we're not doing anything, <laughs> and I don't want to jinx us because we're going on a, on a on a run the opposite way. And again, I like the open mic. Um, our record is pretty good. I'll stand at that. Yeah. But we've seen us lose, so trust me, in important games, and so it's not always wins. Well, Freddie's got a lucky scarf, so yeah. um, that's probably not quite as lucky as what you're saying with your record. <laughs> yeah. But you know, well, it's, it's a ritual all fans have. Sunderland away and lost in the playoffs. I remember that. We've here at Sunderland lost again. Yeah. We were here for the Brett Pittman offsides or the Bips on oh, yeah. offsides. Um, to be so fair, we have our we've had had losses to heartbreaks too. To be fair, our first game ever here was a loss, which was what sold us on the club originally. It was a loss two one to Newport County. And, That's a good point. Hmm. In uh, you know early season, uh, what would that have been 2016-2017, and uh, you all lost two one. But the energy of Ratton Park is what came through. And then the energy, just to keep going, we saw when you guys, the fans, got them promoted from the bottom of League Two, that when the, the goal differential was going on and they were like changing the location of the trophy. Uh, so that was all pretty interesting, too. Touching on Newport County, uh, you, I definitely feel that I'm not too upset about not having to go away to places like that because the the condition of the pitches is pretty poor in league two so you can see as we've come up the leagues you, you some of the, the competition at the moment in league one um it's actually a lot better we're going to go Sheffield wednesday away you know next yeah. weekend we're looking forward to it we've got an airbnb we've booked it out with the guys mm. so we're going to make a proper weekend of it mm. you know celebrate the end of the season just moving on to the idea of the sort of transfer policy to move to young players which is something we're excited about we're well, very, we're very, we're very pro that idea, really. Well, the idea is to build a young nucleus that you yeah. can build around, and then you're using your lone players as it's supposed to developing them, giving them back to their team's better player. We can use them to our advantage as kind of kind of hired assassins in a way. Once we have our core in place, so that's the kind of the overall theory and and developing young talent. Danny and Nikki are great at developing talent, so. The first year they sign someone, and the third year that's going to be a better player. Yeah. So, so you know, each year we expect even the individual players to be better because of the system that they're playing under. What sort of work have you done towards that transfer policy already? Have you, have you invested more in football analytics? Have you invested more in the scouting? Tried to build a net approach? I, I mean, the simple answer is yes. I, I would tell you most of the specific examples, like like more scouts, whatever, they're really picked by the football management staff, but. Uh, fundamentally, the answer is yes. I would tell you, from our perspective, um, you know, the positive and negative of our, of our approach is we are long-term thinkers, right? It took us a long time to plan for what was going to happen here at Fratton Park, but now you see the fruits of that labor, right? And, or you're just beginning to, to be honest, next season will be you know, much more clear, and, and by the following season, it'll be effectively you know, completed, all of this works. Um, so I guess I would say we have the thought we have some of the building blocks in place, but now we really need to end up with the players that, that prove us right. Um, I think fundamentally our belief is if you want to improve long-term as a club, the younger you are buying, um, the sort of more the benefit to that player over the course of their career. So you know we're working hard on it, um, but all of the specifics, to be fair, are decided by the recruitment staff and Danny and Nikki and their, and their you know, group uh, actually picking any particular individual but, player. But one thing we can touch on is we're looking for a sporting director, whatever the exact title is here, um, and I think that'll be essential and, and massive in that it's done in alignment with their coaches and the managers, not 
it's totally to help Danny and Nikki and run through the CEO, Andrew Cullen, to provide a, a, a longer term view. Mm -hmm. So, so their 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 goal is shorter term win on the pitch Saturday, and everybody turns over in England. It's crazy. We're, we don't want to do that. We want to keep the same team long term. So, if you hire a sporting director, which we have to find, which is essential, that has the same philosophies and he's recruiting for the same philosophies that Danny's and Nikki's strategy, then everybody's rowing the same direction, and you have more firepower to do that. And and that's what we're going for. And I, I remember I listened to Danny Cowley um, do a podcast with um, Not The Top 20, which is a, a sort of a football league podcast, George Ellick and Ali Maxwell, who do stuff um, on TV as well. I mean, he mentioned the idea of a sporting director. It was actually him and Paul Cook on the same podcast. It was before they joined Portsmouth. And they asked him, would he want to work with a sporting director as such? You know, how does that work? And he said in this, yes, he would. It just has to be the right fit for him, the same ethos and stuff. So, what is the sort of what kind of sporting director and what kind of ethos do you want from your sporting director? Well, by the way, I'm glad he's. I'm glad he said that in advance. I actually did not know that. Mm -hmm. um, when we interviewed him, we did mm -hmm. discuss this. So that, again, that, that after whatever podcast you know you were listening to, but obviously last uh, you know March, effectively, right? So we discussed this because it it was important to us as we're looking to improve to have a person who was supportive. So I didn't know that independently he would have been supportive, but for this specific role, he definitely was supportive. And I think the question you're asking is actually the one that is the most nuanced and the most important for us to spend a lot of time on and get right here, right? Because you have different elements that a sporting director has to deal with. They have to be a bit of a bridge between an academy and a first team. They also have to be a bit of a bridge between lone players mm -hmm. and our team, right? So there's a lot of elements that the play, that the person in that role is dealing with and their obviously main focus is what Eric said earlier which is first team players who over a period of time are improving and helping the club to improve but there's you know lots of other little elements that they in a way hopefully take off of Danny and Nikki's plates around sports science and medicine and things like that as well mm -hmm. so I would tell you that uh, I'm not sure Erica and I could specifically lay out the perfect individual, but a big part of this is a person who fits well within the structure of all the people we have. Um, so, you know, it's working well with Danny and Nikki, with Andy Cullen, with Greg Miller as the head of the academy, with the, and, and the sports, uh, you know, the sports medicine people, which is Bobby, you know, run by Bobby Backey. So, I guess it would be harder to determine a profile before you actually have done interviews, which, you know, some of which we're doing while we're over here. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say it's all of those elements with a fundamental focus on helping us get the summer and January right, right? And, um, you know, we've been disappointed in our Januaries. And to be fair, it's a, it's a position we've always known we've wanted to implement but just when was the right timing, when was the right, you know, just the timing and what was right, but it, it's a something, and, and obviously there's differences between the American and the English game. I think Liverpool has proved that it, it can work here, and it, it was sometimes when you have somebody focused on the short term and somebody else looking long term, and if those eyes are all trusted, it's a much better system than one person trying to look at everything. 
So I, mean, I think we understand yeah. this. Me and Freddie are actually fanatical NHL fans. Oh, I uh, do, so yeah. Freddie's a Leafs fan. I'm a I'm a Flyers fan. I worked um, for in a scouting department in a hockey team, a pro hockey at the Ducks. Mm-hmm. So Amazing. This is something mm-hmm. that we've had experience with. And so I'm we understand all over that idea Canada. of that's, rebuild, that's re- and obviously you have a general manager as well as you have yeah. a, you have a coach. So I do understand uh, what you're trying to do in that sense. Um, do you want but to but and if and if it didn't fit with the manager, there's no way to make it happen. Right, so like I think that's the other thing to be very clear about is you do need it to fit really well with the group because fundamentally, if you bring in a player who's not meant to play necessarily every week, but they're meant to play some, and the manager doesn't want to play them at all, you've you've both jobs you're failing in, right? You've brought in a player, you've spent on a player, and they're not progressing because they're not getting the playing time. And equally, you're not improving your squad at that time. So in a lot of ways, really a lot of this is about just making sure we're hearing all the different sides to the options here. Because the sporting director role, from what we understand, there are some people who come out of scouting. There are some people who come out of lone players. There are some people who were a head coach previously. Or I mean, so it's, it's really um, a quite diverse set of backgrounds. And so... Again, for us, it's more about take the time and make the right appointment as opposed to come in and know exactly what you're looking for and, and make a specific appointment. Um, and and we're not, we won't we'll take away your time, but how did you get in the NHL? I didn't know that. Just following in general um, from podcasts and then staying up until three in the morning watching the odd game sometimes. And where do they, where do they broadcast tomorrow? Uh, usually on the NHL. TV, don't they? Well, yeah, oh, I've, I've, I've got, I've got an HR TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. But actually, a friend of mine came out from San Diego and he stayed with us. And he was actually a Ducks fan, ironically. Um, <laughs> and he, but I wanted to support a team from the East Coast because it's so much later sporting a team yeah. uh, from the I was going to say, I hope you were not a Ducks fan. So, yeah. I'm a Flyers fan. Much harder. Of course. From New York, you can't so, so, who is your team? I'm a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Flyers. Yeah. For the last who are you? Toronto Maple Leafs. Got it. Yeah. He's the glory fan, that's why, right? These are a big team. Like uh, you know, Man U, they're their canvas team, they're but just a lot less successful, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the you, moment, yeah, you, you guys <laughs> mentioned um, the summer later on, and we wanted to discuss that because some yeah. fans are a bit concerned about some of the things that have happened over the past year. Danny Cowley mentioned how he missed out on certain transfer targets last summer and in January, but more so the summer. Should should fans expect that again, or and what no, are you guys going to do to change so, that? Are you so, going to so when we say we missed out on targets, that's an un, that's not I don't want to use the word unfair, but everyone is individual. There's some guys that have a new baby and they want to live up north, and that's just the fact. Some of it's price, obviously, but mm-hmm. all they write about is price. Everyone's got a different system or different uh, personal life going on, so you know, and everybody's got a price. If they, somebody comes in and starts outbidding and going to crazy lengths. It's not. We're not going to chase that dream. That's not. That's not our strategy. So I don't feel like we missed out on a lot of players at all. I, I think there's a lot of speculation that goes on in the press. When I read it, and we're not allowed to comment on it, mm-hmm. you almost chuckle at some of it because you know how far off it is. Um, so we didn't miss out on a lot of players. We we the way I look at it is we had a new manager with a new style, and the amount of progress that we made in one year is actually astonishing that we can now go into this year, one year ahead, without having to do all that changeover. There's less changeover, but there's still a lot to do. So, I mean, again, I think that's telling how much we did, and not you personally, just the, in general short of taking a Shrewsbury approach, which we saw yesterday, which is Kenny Jacket was doing, 
versus what Danny and Nikki are doing are complete opposites, and it's a different type of player. Mm -hmm. So you have to do the whole squad over, and so to do as much as we've done already, I think we're pretty far ahead of the curve, to be honest. Yeah, let me add one thing to that. So, uh, in reality, will every single season we miss out on a player? Absolutely. Will we miss out on five? Highly likely, right? I mean, like, if, if you looked at the number of players we actually look at, um, it's a vastly larger sum than are ever reported about. But interestingly, just, just so you guys have like a sense, probably half the players that get reported about someone we're looking at, half of them we've never looked at once or, or never talked about as a board with Danny and Nikki. So I'm not saying they don't have one scout who went to some game or whatever, but in terms of like, are they actual transfer targets? There's a huge number that never even get talked about yeah. until the day they sign. And so... It is harder to talk about until you're down to a specific player. What I believe from our side we would say is we believe we will always field a competitive team. Like We intend to field a competitive team. And what would you, yeah. what would you describe as competitive, I suppose, as a definition? Competitive is the, the goal to get up to the next league. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. whether it's automatic promotion or playoffs, that's the goal. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. Just wanted to talk about the academy. It's something I'm pretty, well, both of us are pretty passionate about, I suppose. We've done a lot of work over the years going to watch academy players, talking to them, for instance, at their various locations like Bogner. And shout out to Bogner Football Club because they are a great football yeah. club. Uh, and Simon there is very, very nice giving us a, a, some time there as well. Um, how do you feel? I think some fans are a little bit concerned about the direction in, of well, the academy. I'm going to start and I'm going to let Andy get in. The Sorry, so just, just, just quickly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so I think, I think the, the level of like the high staff turnover is one question. Is this because it doesn't fit in? And secondly, I think to be competitive, we need to move to having an under-23s team. So is that, do you agree with that? Because I well, remember Mark like Four questions. So let, let's start with the academy itself. The okay. first one was about the academy itself, mm -hmm. right? So the academy itself, just like Baden Park, takes a lot of strategizing. It's, uh, we want to start to make sure that it's fundamentally safe for the kids and they're playing football. You got to start there. Mm -hmm. Once you get there, then you're starting to develop players. Now, where do we get to? The goal is to get them playing in league for the first team, I guess. You know, that's sure. what you're saying as far as development to the players. There are gaps there. There's a 23 gap. There's this gap here, there. Um, that's for us to strategize, figure out. Once we figure out, we will then implement a strategy on the, on the academy. That said, we're surrounded by Cat One academies everywhere. Mm -hmm. so, so you need to operate with that mentality knowing that. So the Mason Mounts of the world. The goal shouldn't be to develop Mason Mount to have them go somewhere else. So in our strategy is how to keep Mason Mount in Portsmouth. And as you know, and you guys are knowledgeable football fans, it's not easy when you have academies left and right that are one and all that. So we need to strategize and figure out how to get better. I think the turnover is just people going to bigger options because you have Cat 1 academies everywhere. And, uh, I mean, speak to the weeds of it all, but it's, it's, it's something that at the end of the day, the most important thing is its impact in the community. And then it's a safe environment for kids and that we're teaching them progressing in football. The second whole thing about it is all is how do you get them then to the, to the, the first team? Sure. You, then answering your questions, not avoiding any of them, okay, sure. about the 23-year-old team, that is something that over the long term does seem to make sense as the bridge from the academy to there to the first team. It's like almost having an AHL team in hockey and not having somewhere you can progress. You can have people. an AHL team, you can have an IHL team, or you can, mm -hmm. you know, there's four different ways to do it. And this is where I know all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And 
So we need to figure out what is the right, is it the AHL team, is it the IHL team, is it sending them over to Europe to play, you know, using the hockey analogy. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to figure that out. But again, the first thing is just a safe environment for the kids, just making sure that it's safe. And it is, and there's nothing against it, but you know what I'm saying? And it's important for the community, so there's no plans to do away with the academy and all that. It's just, it's been one of those ones we didn't think when we looked under the roof, it was as confusing as we thought. And... It's hard. I mean, there's yeah. a lot to do there. Is that something I suppose then, Andy? There's a strategy you could say in development, sort of as you as you sort of go through all the different aspects of the club, and it's something that you're still sort of um, working out a path for. I think yeah, that's does right. That Makes sense that's of how to go right. for. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And and look, I think the other thing. All suggestions were warranted. We'll take any suggestions yeah. and, and process it. I could write, I'll write some down in email. Ah, I'm yeah. serious. Yeah. yeah, 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 cool. Yeah. So I mean, so so look, I think that's right because. The uh, well, look. Last year we had a particular issue, which again, like, is maybe a ultra sensitive point amongst ownership of you know, like, we're big believers in diversity and inclusion and things like that. So that uh, we don't need to spend any time on that. It's, it's, it's been handled, but but um, so that is one of the things Eric's talking to. But I would say the other challenge with the question around the development squad is when you look at the cost of that relative to current levels that you want to spend on bringing in first team players that's really what you're balancing right so you're balancing it against is it better to have more nine-year-olds and 11-year-olds is it better to have more first team players and so it in an ideal world and at the highest levels i think eric's answer is exactly the right answer which is it is a necessary element that provides for fluid transition from the youngest uh, and least experienced squad to ultimately the first team, right? It is sort of very linear. And also, absent being at the very highest levels, it is very hard to rationalize why you would not be putting that into the first team. And it doesn't, it's not a categorical answer, but that's sort of where we are at the moment, is, is really trying to figure out what makes and, more sense. And, and if you have the talent, how do you retain them? You know what I'm saying? How do you keep these Chelsea's from coming to take your best players? Yeah. Uh, that, we have to figure that out. I think it was some young players in that situation, some young players will know obviously there's money to go, but if you look at even successful under-23 teams, like the Brentford, we've got promoted um, by scouting. Bre- we studied Brentford. Do you, think, do you think that's a good model on that sense? They have a lot of good things in their model. Uh, we, In looking for teams, we talk to them as well, just to study. Uh, a lot of their analysis is based on their gambling, how they win for their gambling. Uh, it's about a lot of stuff that what Danny's doing is about pressing and getting the ball back right away and that that's a big barometer for them so I think they are a good model and I think everybody's looking at them because of what they're doing obviously um, I think we have an obligation to the community here that they don't have yeah. so so yeah, so they don't have an academy again I, it sounds like you guys know this yeah. but, but because yeah. they don't have an academy and maybe it's really hard in London mm. competing with Arsenal that's what I was thinking from a level of they're a club with... But they're not so a community club. So, but, so you have to yeah. factor into what we're doing as the community matters. So you can't just say, you know, it might be best for the, if you're just operating a football team to just get rid of the academy. But mm-hmm. that's not a... That you can't... You have to factor in the community here. Of so, course. So, we have to, so that's something that they didn't have to do. Uh, so yeah. there's a hybrid model. Yeah. So we're starting to, you know, the hybrid model. Well, we look forward to sort of seeing how it progresses, mm-hmm. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've mentioned a lot already about um, <clears throat> the transition of this season almost rebuilding it entirely from a new management, new style of play, etc. How, how, how would you guys take the club from, let's say, a transitional season, this season ending, to a more competitive season next season? 
when fans would expect to be challenging for the playoffs and promotion more yeah. certain this time? First of all, if we have 10 more games, I think we'd be challenging for the playoffs. I do. I think we're just hitting stride with the, with the, with the team. Um, another year of development on the players that they already have, uh, picking the right ones, and then you know scouting younger players that kind of fit the system that we're looking for. I mean, Andy, you can jump in any time. No, no, yeah, so look, we would not, we don't think Van should write off this past season just because we made a transition to manager. Like, we still tried to be competitive this season. So, like, you won't hear us overly make excuses at any point in time. Uh, We can say our highest paid player wasn't even playing. So, I mean, that says a lot right there. Yeah. So we should think about, the price doesn't always equate to what's quality you need for your team. I think yeah. we understand that. We actually predicted the team yeah, to come eighth at the, the start of the season, so, the, way that right. we, the way that things turned over. So we, we're not sort of in the situation where some fans are saying, you know, oh, you know, we expected you know, bigger things in that sense. We actually, this season, expected us, predicted at the start of the season, to come about eighth. So yeah, we are, we are on track in that sense. Yeah. Think that you're going to change yeah. call, call us in July. I'd like yeah. to hear this. But, yeah. but, but, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, didn't, I should have put some money on it, but um, <laughs> if, if you're that inclined. But I suppose we're just trying to say that that's, we did expect that this season because yeah. of the way of the transition. We, we spoke to Danny on our podcast when he first, yeah. when he first signed up and, mm. and he sort of outlined that system. I think next season, though, we're expecting really a, you know, a top six finish. Um, going forward so and as you say when the rebuild sort of finishes over the summer and you sort of try and move yourself into more of a contender I suppose it just it, it's just quite um, it's just quite interesting to see how you do that and I know that to change the young players I'll get to the question now rather than just babbling at you mm. and the, the question is I suppose that young players are expensive to get sure. I mean like everyone wants to hold on to their good young players and you know everyone wants to get younger don't they so I suppose just from a a level is that something you'll be looking but, to invest but that, in? So yeah, that's yeah, both the sporting director and the scouting network. So it is true; others want to get younger. It's why we have to just do better. I mean, like, there's not really other than saying we need to be better. There's not not a particular solution. It should be helpful to have the sporting director, and it, we are doing a lot increasingly in the world of analytics. But it's hard to say any one of those is a silver bullet. What you're looking to do is improve on all those metrics. Mm-hmm. And therefore, a season from now, and, and finish higher and, and be in a better position for the and following season. Who are the next Jamal Lowe's? You know, start looking in the National League and start looking a little down so it's not the person that everybody knows and that becomes a bidding war. Start looking in <clears throat> different places and, and, and doing both. So I think we're going to look and you know, try to find the next Jamal Lowe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, some people, but, uh, one little thing about player contracts. So um, a lot of key, some, some key pieces in the side. They, they, could, they could potentially come free. Sean Braggart, player of the season, voted. Mm-hmm. Marcus Hardis as well. Obviously, big talents. And if they were signed up long term, they could be assets to the club, whether they stay or whether a bigger size comes in. Do you think you'll try and change the way their contracts are done, or do you think you'll keep it? Well, as, 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 as Americans, let me just start with we would love to totally change the way contracts are done. It's actually it's interesting. They're like in any sport, right? You have your own ideas going into it, and then there is. The regular rhythm in the way that they are done and the regular with rhythm in which the agent will even take the offer to the player or whatever. Uh, but, but yes, look, w- from our perspective, we like younger players and longer-term contracts. And frankly, it's really important often for those kinds of players that we have at least one option year. So like this coming summer, you know, we have Marcus Harness under an option. 
but so so uh, well, can I sprinkle yeah. in amongst your young players you need a certain individual that you mentioned you need experience within that or you're sure. yeah. young kids going around so you need the kind of the base of the young guys but you need the old guys as well is it I mean old is hilarious when you talk about a guy that's like 28 years old it's like yeah. I know that's six us. six years younger than me so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's completely insane yeah. and even younger yeah. than the two of us but we won't even talk <laughs> about that <laughs> 10 years boys um, yeah is it fair to say then that because we're obviously we've talked about asset management is it fair to say then that if Obviously, the preference is to get someone like Marcus Harness on a slightly sort of longer contract, as, as we already said, that makes sense. But is, is it fair to say then that you wouldn't want to let those players go for nothing and take the option at worst you case? You don't scenario? want to let players go for nothing. That's for exactly. Sure. That's, all, that, that's, that's, that's the fan concern, I think. And then I think there's also the unwritten rule that if a player is good enough, you can't really hold them back. And I, I know that was in, in American sports and sometimes... And whether they do that on the field by or on the, the practice pitch by acting up a certain way or certain things, but you kind of like if somebody's like Gavin, if we had him and he was going to flourish on, you kind of got to let him go. Yeah, know? I mean, and, like, let mm-hmm. so it's just right, it's an unwritten rule. You but know? I but to be clear, we didn't want to get rid of Matt Clark. We didn't want to get rid of Jamal. They were at a point in progression that mm-hmm. they they felt they needed it. They had offers and higher levels and so forth. But yeah, we would love mainly long-term contracts with mainly young players and it is that balance of you know you need some experience fundamentally those final decisions though like the will we let this player out for free or whatever i mean that is a manager's decision so i do want to separate like we make ownership level decisions Mm -hmm. we have tons of influence and then also we stop shy of well this has to be related to the actual First team playing squad. It, it really does have to be. And then is that your sporting then, director sort of comes yeah, in with Danny and Danny to make that sort of and question? Then, and then it's also with the agents get involved, and all of a sudden you can offer something, and then they either can be nice and want to work with you and say, "Let's do this," or they say, "We're going to take it," and they shop it right around. So there's mm-hmm. also the other side, the aspect of how the other side deals with the club. So everyone is unique. I mean, everyone is a unique circumstances. I have parents in the north. Again, it's, there's. I just had a baby. It, there's so many things that go into it. It's not just the pay. Yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that's that's the breaking news, right? But all these players talking about how young everybody is. They all seem to have kids, and they're you know so young. So you're dealing with that stuff. And where's yeah. Fortunately, a lot of people like to come to the South Coast, we've learned. So that is good. Mm-hmm. But there are certainly instances where their families up north and they're not coming down south. Exactly. Some people want to work near, live near their steelworks. Mm-hmm. Like Freddie, I had to convince him to come <laughs> back, back down south in that situation. And when everybody gets down south, they love it. So yep. they, they, they should just they well, get should, them down here. That should help with um, with retaining people in that sense. Um, Fred? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was, there was, you guys obviously worked with the club now for six years. A long time for some people. What do you think is one thing that you guys have done really well over that period of time, and what is one thing you would have done differently in in hindsight? Hmm, that's a really good question. What what I'd say, and this is a preface to the question, it's not avoiding the question, is that because of the pandemic, and this is not onions for the pandemic, because the pandemic was hard on everybody. So, but it was particularly hard on football teams. So when you say it's our sixth year, I kind of look at it as our third, fourth year, you know, finishing three into four. Um, but again, you don't want to, you know, cry over the pandemic because it was really hard on everybody. 
but in our plan, there was not a global pandemic. <laughs> that, that was not in the plans. So that's the first thing. What, what was so, the so one thing I would have done differently. I, look, I mean, I we work with lots of partners. But I think we had a uh, an issue relatively early on with the quality of the food. And I don't think we addressed it soon enough. I am hopeful. And I heard positive things yesterday about our new partnership with Piglet's Pantry. But I would tell you, you know, uh, a f- the experience of football is lots of little elements put together. And so obviously, you know, it's, it's your seat, it's the fans around you and all that. Um, but I think, you know, uh, a big part of the day is the beer you buy or whatever drink you have, you know, the, the sausage you have. So I, I don't think we dealt with that early enough. And I mean, and I mean that by like three or four years. I'm, I'm actually... Uh, surprised we didn't come up with an, an earlier answer. Look, I think the stuff that we are doing well is around long-term planning. I think when you look at any individual decision, if I were a fan, I'd say Tornante's really slow. Boy, that's frustrating. Um, I hope that equally, when they see what we've completed, they say, well, they're slow, but they get it right. Uh, but, but to me, I mean, again, I wasn't first a fan here, but I've been in other places first a fan. And if you're first a fan, speed is like, you know, really important to you. Uh, for us, it's, it is much more as a business about making it, yeah. I know a mistake. Uh, I'm leaving out names. The first year, end of year party, we had entertainment. Oh my God. That was very off color. Right, and okay. a lot of women oh in the God. room got really offended. Uh-huh. And we just want to say, look, this isn't coming from us. We feel the same way as you. What, and, what, uh, what happened at the yeah. party? Do you want to, sh- do you want to share, the, share the details on the, on the pod for the it people? Was, it, was just, <laughs> it, was, it was not the party so much as the entertainment. He was just off color and it offended a lot of women. Yeah. Okay. So that was it. And so men. Just, I mean, I was offended by what yeah. he said. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it wasn't directed. Was, was, at it, me. was it a stand up situation? Yeah. It wasn't a it was sort a of a, a sort of strip club nightclub no, going on. Former, former footballer. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, but uh, yeah, look, that, that's a. That, that, that wouldn't bad. happen. I mean, look, I, frankly, yeah. again, they very openly. While I don't think it was directly in any way associated with us, like. We have a very big problem with what happened in the academy last year. I mean, like that, that for us, like were that ever to happen again, but like handled well. It, it handled well, but I'm just like I sure hope anyone who's sitting now in our academy who's 11 years old saw how we handled that and is like, well, I am never going to do that because if you are, like, get out now. Well, I, I've even sat in on the. And we can go over it though, but it's fine. The the when we invaded the pitch, uh, I don't even remember who was against. We were working with the, the police. So there's a two-year uh, jail sentence if you fight on the thing. So we think that's unfair. That's insane. That's like, you think, so they go fight somewhere else, whatever. You don't about the jail. Not not but but <laughs> we created a system with the police where they came into the tribunal, and as long as the parents came in and they reformed them, they didn't have to go to jail. It's like a big deal. So I think that's a great thing to have done. I mean, these kids that were like being cast off to jail for a minor incident, and it's not minor in the football world, to, but to go to jail, uh, so working with the police on that, I think was the big thing. Things that people don't even know about mm-hmm. that uh, I think it supports your younger fan base, and I think they should realize that we have their back. I mean, it's like, and, and they probably don't even know about this program, but I guarantee if there's someone had an incident, and we don't want incidents, that that went through the program and is allowed back in Fadden Park now instead of being cast off and dealing with police and on some, like, watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are big things. So, and I think that speaks to your audience, you know? I mean, these are you guys that are talking to you. Definitely. That, that said, 
we don't condone any of the on-pitch stuff. We've got to re treat ourselves respectably. Otherwise, we get point deduction, we get fines. It's going to hurt the, the club. So we don't, you know, it, yeah. it's not... We have a great fan base and a super rampant and everything about it. Let's just stay in control and, and do it properly. The only other thing I would say, which we can't actually say the names, but I can pick probably 15 player mistakes we've made. Like, I actually can go pretty specifically through them. Generally... Come on, Andy. you got to give us one. Because, because by the way, they could be back here next season. No, no, but, but what I would say is actually, and we've done remarkably poorly in January. While we've always thought in January, oh, we did pretty well... Come February or March, we were like, what? I, I, so anyway, I don't... Figuring I, out we, the January transfer window. Figuring out January is like, I yeah, we are nowhere close to it. So, far. I mean, again... It's a difficult window. Yeah, I think the summer, the summer is definitely where you can yeah. build more rather than business, adding in January. Do your business early. You certainly don't want to be hunting at the end for overpriced talent that Absolutely. no one wants. Absolutely. You know? and, and to round it off, I think, uh, since we've got a few minutes, how do, you, how do you guys think next season will go? And do you think... The I don't make promotion. predictions on the ceiling. Competitive, and uh, and I think we'll be good. I do. We're gonna be hard to beat. If we can beat the clubs we're supposed to beat, and then we're competitive with the clubs that are at the top, that will be a good season. You have to beat the clubs you're supposed to beat. I'm taking I'm taking that second then, Eric. Right? <laughs> I will not make a prediction, but oh. I expect to be. You can. As no we, we, I, of course, you can't. Well, we wouldn't be doing uh, our listeners just this if we didn't ask, right? This is why it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the podcasts are fun, but you can't ask us to make a prediction. We'll, we'll leave that up to you guys. We'll, we'll definitely be making a prediction. Um, and, they always uh, have to be realistic. Though. Well, we did eighth last season, yeah, so uh, we're, we're, we're on spot, yeah. I think, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm aware you guys have got you know busy people. We've got a little um, news coming down, too. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a tough division next year. Oh yeah, there is. There is going to be. It's going to be difficult. Um, it's going to be fun to play some of the big teams. Let's see what happens to Derby in the uh, in a financial way. They could be That's decent, be or they could not be. Yeah, total wildcard. Exactly. Exactly. Total wildcard. Yeah. Right yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If Switch is new American owners that don't are just spending and they're, they're going to figure out that that's the best strategy too. So they well, might come back. Better, or they? We'll they probably might, finish above. We'll probably yeah. finish above them. Or they're yeah. going to spend more. They're going to do one or the other ones. We will finish above them, I think. And uh, and their strategy, I think that they just want the not to, and, and a lot of people do this. They come in, there's throw a ton of money at it, and that is not the strategy. So our strategy was to come in and really think for a while. Guys, it's been great having a chat with you. I'm aware that people are hovering and want us to <laughs> to move on because you've got a lot of people to see and you're busy people. So thanks again. Is there anything else you want to shout out before no, we leave? Thanks for making the good? time on a Sunday. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. And, uh, we we wanted to make sure we talked to you guys because you have an access to the fans and that we're here to do this. This is not. This is this is. These are the fun ones. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to do this sometime soon again. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Even if it is on Zoom, you guys aren't here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll it's here. been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks, so Cheers. Thanks Cheers. guys. Cheers. Really appreciate it. You press stop? I will, yeah. Have you pressed record? Yes, I did press record. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. guys. <laughs> you have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!